On today's episode of the Wave Podcast, we have the Orioles are once again at the forefront of the news for nothing good. The lease situation is back into the fold. Uh, we thought it was handled a couple months ago. Governor Westmore, owner John Angelos, made the announcement that they came to an agreement, which apparently was a lie. Josh and I are breaking it down. We're talking about what the Orioles and the city of Baltimore need to do to come to an agreement and put this shit to bed. Feels rather easy, but with people in those positions, it never is. So we talk about it all. Moving away from the Orioles, we cover a huge week in college football. Last week was conference championship week. We start off talking about Liberty, getting a huge win over New Mexico State, and earning a spot in a New Year's Six Bowl. We congratulate Josh. We congratulate the Liberty Flames. We talk about them and their matchup, their ride, uh, the journey that it's taken them to get here, and all else. And regarding the college football playoff, we talk about the Power Five Conference Championships. We're talking Washington over Oregon. We're talking Alabama upsetting Georgia. We're talking Michigan whooping Iowa. And the most controversial of them all, Florida State beating Louisville. We discuss the games. We discuss the decisions made by the CFP committee. And ultimately, if they made the right decision or not with the four teams in the college playoff. Finally, we move on to the Ravens. We're talking about the Ravens matchup with the Rams this week. Out of the bye, at home, at the bank, seven and a half point favorite. We're breaking it all down. The Ravens have been rumored to be in the mix for Zach Ertz this week. Ravens are currently sitting as the number two seed in the AFC coming out of the bye. We break down the game with the Rams. We talk about the injury reports on both sides. Puka Nakua dealing with an injury. Marlon Humphrey likely to play this week. Uh, we're also talking matchups. We're looking at the Rams offense versus the Ravens defense and the Ravens offense versus the Rams defense. Finally, I give my keys to victory. I give you all my best bets for NFL week 14 and we send you all into a great weekend. Thank you all for joining us again. Here we go. Episode 82. Welcome back to the Wave Podcast. Today is Thursday, December 7th, 2023. This is episode 82. Josh, we are officially in December. It is officially Christmas time. It is officially holiday season. We are officially playing December football. We have college basketball that I'm currently watching right now. How are you, man? How It, it was a long weekend. It was a, it was a very football-filled weekend, at least for me. Um, I'm willing to bet that it was the same for you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Dante. It's good to be here as always. Uh, I can't believe it's December already. It feels like just like a week ago, it was August and like we had all the yeah. football ahead of us. Then we blink and college football regular season's over. Um, we just had conference championship weekend, which is crazy. We're about to head into bowl season. Um, and dude, NFL, what are we in week 12, 13, something like that? It's, it's 14. Are you serious? Wow. It's. <laughs> Yeah, it's flying by. I can't believe it. I got to get Christmas gifts still. It's I can't believe it's December, dude. It's crazy. I thought about that today. I was like, shit, I still have to do all my Christmas shopping. 
I have literally not done. I told myself I was going to get out in front of it. I was going to be proactive this year. I did not do that. Um, yeah. And we are currently staring down the barrel of Christmas being three weeks away. Three weeks is scary because I don't know if my paycheck's ready for the Christmas call <laughs> right now. Like just straight up. I, I don't that, know. We're bro. prepared for that, man. Like I, got, I feel that brother. I got one thing for someone and it was a gag gift out of revenge for something last year, but yeah, it's it's nuts, dude. It's it's really, really nuts. Yeah, I'm in a tough spot. The only person I've bought Christmas gifts for is myself, which is three weeks away from Christmas. That's not the position you want to be in. But hey, you know, only up from here, as I like. To yeah, say. a lot of game left. <laughs> a lot of game left. A lot of game left. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, hey, I'm glad to hear that you're doing good. Um, we have uh, we have a lot to talk about. Um, yes. Obviously, we don't have a Ravens game to re- recap this week because we were on a bike. Um, but luckily, thanks to the almighty sports gods, uh, they blessed us with more than enough to talk about this week. Um, the predominant force there would be college championship week. Uh, we will talk about that. We have yes. a ton to get into there. Uh, and I'm, I'm frankly, I'm very excited for that conversation that we're about to have. Uh, however, I think we should start by addressing a rather big elephant in the room that is Baltimore baseball. Um, the Orioles in their lease situation. This has been going on for a while. I, like many Baltimoreans, thought it was put to bed because we were told it was put to bed. Um, Governor Westmore and Orioles owner John Angelos made a very big announcement that there was a lease in agreement. They figured it out. The Orioles were going to be at Camden Yards for the next 30 years. I was super excited about it. They did this back in uh, September. They did it on the night that the Orioles clinched a playoff berth. It was a big thing. It was a fantastic night for Baltimore sports fans. Um, Then come to find out a couple months later, that was not necessarily true. They were still negotiating. Uh, There were differences in, I don't even know what, the developmental projects that were going around the stadium. A lot of... A lot of stuff that gets made, the decisions that get made by people who are much smarter than me. Um, from my seat, to use a John Harbaughism at the end of the bar, I have no idea what the fuck's going on. None of this makes any sense to me. Um, I, I, I just don't. I don't understand why they can't just get it done. And you know, it feels like there's a very simple solution here. But anyway, I digress. The current lease that they are on expires on December 31st. So at the end of this month, in about four weeks, if the lease expires and there is no agreement, I don't really know what they can do because like, they're not going to play in another ballpark and they're not going to move to another city. The commissioner of the MLB has already said like the Orioles are not going anywhere. So I think there was a report earlier this week that or maybe last week that said they're planning on doing like a month to month thing, which just sounds horrendous from a logistics standpoint. Um, but anyway, Josh, I know you tweeted something uh, that you had something to say, so I will defer to you here. Give me your thoughts on this whole situation, because it is just an absolute mess. Honestly, you took the words right out of my mouth. This is an absolute mess. And I don't understand. Like, I thought everything was good. <laughs> like, we, we celebrated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you said everything was good. At least we'll be signed. And then, like, come up a couple months later, like, we get to the last month of the lease, the current lease right now. It's like, oh, yeah, no, this it's not signed at all. We're like, wait, what, what was that all about? Like, 
wasn't John Angelo's in the locker room saying like we're good, we're here to stay, like I love you guys, like we're the team's here to stay. John like, Angelos was taking was was taking rips from the dong bong during our celebrations. Like he was he went from public enemy number one to like the guy, and now all of a sudden, yeah, because he could yeah, we're it. back to square one. Yeah, because he definitely contributed to this hundred and one win season. <laughs> How many wins do you think John Angelos is worth? Um Yeah, I don't even want to begin to think about that. Yeah, I don't know. I just have a question, and I'm not I'm I'm gonna be very careful what I say just to know I'm the work that I am, and I don't know who knows who and where I'm gonna end up in life. So I'm going to be very careful in what I'm saying. I just have a question. Mm-hmm. Isn't John Angelos like a lawyer or like, wasn't he from a lawyer family? <laughs> well, Josh, it's funny that you asked that question. He does come from a lawyer family. His father, Peter Angelos, the one who originally purchased the Orioles, is a very predominant lawyer in the Baltimore area. However, right. John, the one who is currently managing the Orioles as the quasi owner, never passed the bar exam. Ah. He was he had he was never he never became a lawyer by law. Uh, yeah, never passed the, the, the bar exam to become a licensed lawyer. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I could say and have said uh, to many people and on some bird apps. But uh, I will refrain because I don't think that needs to be rehashed. But anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, he has never been a lawyer. Got it. So I just have a quick question. This is me again. This is me asking questions. <laughs> what does he do? Josh, that's a fantastic question. (laughs) Explain explain to me like I'm five. Again, I'm not with the guy. I don't know the guy. I'm sure he's a nice person. I'm happy. I will give him some credit. I'm I'm gonna give him some credit. Okay. I'm happy that he wanted to keep the team in Baltimore instead of moving them to Nashville like his brother did. So yes, props to you for that. I respect you for that. I'm respecting wanting to keep the team in the city. I just have another question, Dante. How much money? is enough because if again i'm not a lawyer i didn't pass the bar exam either so me and john angelos are practically the same at this point except you and you and john angelos the handshaking meme yeah we did both <laughs> pass the bar both i could even sniff i could probably even not even spell bar at this point just that's how like not law sufficient i am besides like you know my law degree classes actually for sports in like undergrad and master's so i know a little bit i know a little bit about something but yeah go. i just have another question um how much money is enough? Because don't both the Ravens and the Orioles organization get six hundred million billion something? One of those two split equally. Correct. Correct. So my understanding when this whole thing was going on back in like June, July, August, etc., was that the reason that John didn't want to sign the lease was because of the one point two billion with a B city with a B. Correct. Okay. Uh, of the one point two billion dollars in funding that was either coming from the city of baltimore or the state of maryland i believe it was the state of maryland it gets split evenly between the ravens and the orioles the ravens get 600 million the orioles get 600 million steve bashotti and the managing people at the ravens said no problem we're good okay they took their 600 million and they're great john angelos at the and the managing parties at the Orioles said, no, 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 we want another 30, uh, excuse me, not 30. We want another 300 million on top of that because we want to build up the surrounding area. We want to build up Harbor place, which is like a corridor leading, excuse me, from the Harbor up towards Camden yards. And on top of all that, they wanted parking lots that were previously allocated to the Ravens. 
Dante, I have another question. Don't they share the same parking lots and don't have the same day, like games on the same day? That's what I'm saying. Did it, did so, it, like, did it, correct me if I'm wrong. Did we not have like a whole Super Bowl, like you know, game party, whatever, like the whole celebration? Oh, we did. To Denver because oh, of did. a regular season Orioles game when the team was, I don't know, trash. Again. So, yes. I'm just asking yes, questions. Yes, we absolutely did. Okay. <laughs> You're asking very important questions. Yeah, no, we absolutely did. Questions. And my understanding of the situation is that John wanted parking lots because he wanted to do things like put bars and restaurants and sports books and whatever the case he wanted to develop the surrounding area of Camden Yards much like the surrounding area of I believe it's called Truist Bank Park where, so where the I Braves got play I got this he wanted to make okay so that makes sense he wanted to make the battery he wanted to make the battery that's exactly what he wanted to do that's oh, exactly what he wanted to that do makes and, sense. And there were rumors that John Angelos, Mike Elias, Wes Moore, and maybe even Brandon Scott, or I don't know if it was before Brandon Scott became mayor, but there was a large group of people that went down to the battery, studied it, and they were like, we're going to do this with Camden Yards. The only problem with that is Camden Yards <laughs> Camden Yards is literally in almost downtown Baltimore. No, it, the battery, it right. The battery is not in downtown Atlanta. The battery, the location of the battery to Atlanta, as far as I've never been to the battery, but I know I people can, that have been. Yeah. My understanding of the battery in relation to the city of Atlanta is much like for our Maryland, Baltimore based listeners. It's much like White Marsh is to Baltimore. Like it's it's a good 20 minutes outside the city with a lot more room for development. So in theory, it's a fantastic idea, but in reality, the real estate's just not there. So there's this huge idea of Harbor Place and building up the harbor and tying that into the stadium area because anyone who's been down there is familiar. It's not all that far. It's maybe a, it's maybe a four or five block walk. It's very doable. If you line it with security and transportation like the original report said the Angelos family wanted to do, makes perfect sense. However, that was four months ago and we are currently sitting in December with four uh, four weeks left on the lease and we have no agreement so clearly there's some sort of disconnect there and what they told us was resolved is in fact not resolved and like I said we're back to square one and we are just in a complete dumpster fire here yeah um to give people a little bit of uh context because I do also know I haven't been to Atlanta yet I was supposed to go but this whole crazy thing called 2028 COVID happened um I was supposed to go like work the final four. We were supposed to go out to the battery and actually go to a Braves game around that time period. Oh shoot! So yeah. Anyway, that never happened, and I never still haven't been to Atlanta in my life, which is crazy. Thought I was gonna go, but you know things change. Uh, thought I was gonna go. Yeah, in, that's life. Thought I was gonna go in a couple weeks, but again things change. More on that later. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just to give some people some context, the battery is like legit 20, 40 minutes away from downtown Atlanta. Like. It'll be like if someone like took Cannon Yards and put it in like Sparks Glencoe area, maybe yes. not, maybe a little bit deeper and just bought out the whole you know wealth to land that everyone with the last name Kelly ends up at Calvert Hall owns. Like <laughs> that's what the battery is in comparison to downtown Baltimore. Again, I love Cannon Yards, I love Raven Stadium, I love the Harbor, I love all that area. It is not feasible to build the battery in downtown Baltimore, unless you like just gentrify the crap out of it, which, you know, 
could happen, unfortunately. That's another Russia. conversation. <laughs> That's another conversation I don't feel like having. Um, but what you could do is use the money to kind of build up what you already have. Like I said, it's not that bad of a walk. Both places are pretty accessible. Listen, I would love more parking around the areas, but I just know it's just simply not going to happen. Right. Like, I'm okay with parking at the many garages downtown and just paying whatever money I have to to get down there. Um, but you could still do a lot of stuff. We have, I mean, there's a top golf there now. There's a new mm-hmm. concert venue there now. If you literally just mm-hmm. beef up security and clean up a couple of different areas or streets nearby, even like Lexington Market area, clean that up a little bit, you kind exactly. of can make an entertainment district that starts at the whatever the arena is called now. And CFG, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can make with the CFG arena, you can kind of make an entertainment district just making it like around the Harbor CFG arena and both Ken Yards and like Raven Stadium and Empty Bank Stadium and stuff like that. Like, that's feasible with enough security, transportation, and like parking mm-hmm. decks. Like, that's all feasible and should be able to get done with, you know, again, 600 billion with a B? No, sorry, million, <laughs> million dollars. Right. I'm just. I'm just confused where the hang up is. I'm just asking how much money is enough and what exactly do you want done that's going to help make the resident like lives better and entertain better. Not just for, you know, baseball season, which does last most of the year, but for like 365. Baltimore doesn't have a place like Broadway, like in Nashville or like, I don't know, like the Battery in Atlanta just hang out 24-7. We have Fed Hill, but it's not as big or as a massive scale. And also, it's accessible, but it's not the most accessible place like in the world to get to yeah. like you can uber you can i mean it's terrible parking if that hill i know that much as a person well i don't go down there i just don't feel like driving for sure especially for when sure. Sober. like i'm usually sober i'm not gonna drive i'm not gonna pay 40 dollars to uber to a place i can drive to and i'm not gonna like not park there you know it's just not right. easy for me to go down there if i'm gonna be like try to be fiscally responsible all the time like right right so if you just make it a little bit more accessible and like better and build it up, like build it out instead of like trying to build something completely new, that could work a whole lot better than what it seems like Angela's supposed to do is just reinventing the wheel and just kind of making something out of nothing or like forcing something to happen. So just my thoughts. Yeah, and also and, like, yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and, and what's crazy is like the original reports was that they were going to build up. I forget what street it is. But they were originally going to build up Harbor Place, which is that street that the convention center backs up on that leads right up to the warehouse, runs right into 395, the exit of 95 right there, like easy access to 95 on and off, both north and south. It it just made so much sense. The proposal was that they wanted more security to help people getting from the Harbor and Harbor Place, the Inner Harbor, to to the stadium, which, again, makes perfect sense. It's a four or five block distance so it's not like you need a ton of transportation and a ton of security right like you need like honestly this may just be my dumb brain at work here but you could probably get away with having like a cycle of four or five of those like pedal bus things that they have in nashville downtown that peep that bachelor parties go and drink on yeah. right like it's not it's not like you said it's not reinventing the wheel it's not rocket science here so i don't understand why in September, we were told that there was agreements, like they had it all figured out. They were going to get the logistics buttoned up and bing, bang, boom. And now here we sit on December 6th, where we're like, okay, we have four weeks left on the lease. They still seem to be pretty distant on what they want. We have no idea what's going to happen. So as an Orioles fan, I'm so tired of this shit. Like, I just, 
we have the first good season in I don't even know how long. 100 wins, number one seed in the AL. Obviously, it didn't end how we wanted it to. I digress. And three, four, five weeks into the offseason, this is the stuff that we're talking about. It just is it, – it's completely taking away from all of the positives that this team has to give. And on top of it all, like free agency is underway. Like the Orioles signed Craig Kimball today. Some yeah. people feel good about it. Some people don't feel good about it. We don't have to get into that. I've right. expressed my feelings on the signing. Um, I don't think it's a great signing. I think the Orioles could have done a lot better. Financially, it's, it's not a huge investment, but it's more than I would have liked. Anyway, like I said, we don't have to get into that. However, there are so much, there are so many other things that are positive that we should be talking about with this team. But instead, it's the ownership and rather the incompetence of the ownership that continuously dominates the headlines around this team. And I think that's what I'm sick of the most. I'm just so sick of the Angelos is getting in the way of everything when they shouldn't be. Obviously, ownership in any sport, but mostly baseball. Like baseball is is hyper local. Everything is very like niche to the team itself. Whereas, like, you know, with with things like the NFL, everything's national. It's national broadcasting, it's national media, it's national attention, what have you. Baseball is not necessarily like that. Baseball is very local. Um, we know that we see that with the broadcasting mass and all every team has their own broadcast station or whatever. I just hate the fact that there's so much to talk about with this team in a positive light and continuously the Angelos family, mainly John Angelos is just asininely inserting himself into the forefront of this team. I fucking hate it. I can't stand it. And I just want it to end. Yeah. Um, those were words that definitely convey a lot of Orioles fans emotions. So I can, <laughs> I can sympathize with you right there. Um, I just don't get it. And again, I know I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but just where's the money going or where do you really want the money to go? Because mm-hmm. we know you don't want to spend your own. Granted, I, I, <laughs> right. I get it. I get it. I mean, no, I don't, but like, I can say like, I understand, but you don't want to spend your own. Like, it's just, I don't get where the money is going. I don't know how much money is enough. And I don't know what exactly you're going to do where me, the everyday casual fan is going to directly see the results. Because if mm-hmm. you ask most Orioles fans, as much as it would be cool to have like a battery or some other fun place to go, a lot of Orioles fans are just content with going down the pickles and just having a great time down there. Yeah, or, dude. Like, I'm not saying like it's the, the Holy grail, but it's pretty, it's a pretty good time. Like it's pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome. Like, we don't need much. Just like give us a fun product to watch and we will come to your. That's the thing. Give us a fun product to watch and we will come to your games and like yes. entertain us to keep the guys we like here. Spend money on that rather than like the entertainment aspect of things. Like mm-hmm. we can make a good. We're Baltimore. We can make a good thing out of a not great situation. Like for sure. It's kind of what we do on us just throughout our <laughs> lives. It's just what we do. We don't need like the entertainment stuff. It would be great. Yeah. But like we don't need it to have a good time. Just pay our guys. Like, pay our guys, sign the lease, keep Cam Yards beautiful in a well-kept ballpark and make it the mm-hmm. gem it is and play it for 100, 300, 400, 500 years, however long this thing lasts. And, like, give us something fun to watch. We will go to games. Like, it's not hard. I don't need a place to hang out after the game. I'm usually just going home, like, after right. for the most part. And if I really want to go out, I'll go out somewhere else. Like, I'll go somewhere. So right. it's just tough, man. Like, it, it's not reinventing the wheel. Just literally make minor improvements to make your, like, the situation better for everyone. And you're yep. good to go. So yeah, that's all I, I mean, have to say. I'm not ripping John Angelos any more than any other Baltimorean has. 
So, yeah. And, and that's exactly what it comes down to, you know, like they have, they have the investments that they made into the warehouse, right? Like they have the, the, the super book and the restaurant, uh, Rick Dempsey's restaurant, I believe it yeah. is in there. Like they have a ton of stuff over there. If, if I was talking to a buddy of mine, if they really wanted to go in on that and the infrastructure that they already have, make the super book a full fledged sports book, right? Like put a bajillion TVs in there and, yeah. you know, make it a spot where people can come off the street and just hang out and watch sports, not necessarily yeah. have a ticket to the Orioles game, you know, charge them, charge them five bucks or 10 bucks or whatever, just to come in and they could bet on sports, have them have kiosks or have, you know, windows where with a teller that they could bet on sports, have food, have drinks, whatever. And then if they want to, you know, go into the game, make them show them your ticket or they could buy tickets that whatever. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, that's an easy put, sell to have standing room only tickets in a exactly. sports club. Like exactly. Right there. And then and then another renovation, a little bit more, more of an investment, but not out of the realm of possibility by any means. I think so many teams, not even just in baseball, but, you know, it's very popular in football. Obviously, basketball has courtside seats. That's not a new thing. But you have that whole left field wall that's brand new. I personally I, I this is an idea I cooked up a while ago. I'm sure other people have thought of it as well. Put like two or three or even four field level suites in the base of that left field wall, turn that left field wall into like a mesh see-through sort of thing and put field level suites over there. People will buy it for sure. That's an awesome thing to do. And it, I mean, it'll generate revenue. It's a, it's a, it's a unique sort of thing. I know some other ballparks have it, but like Mm -hmm. if you, you do that, you put some sort of like diamond club behind home plate, similar to what the nationals have in DC and other ballparks. Like there are there are certain renovations that will cost a, a financial investment, but nothing super crazy that will help you generate the revenue that you're looking for. Like it's just you you hit the nail on the head at the top. How much money do you need? How much money do you want? That's just what the that that's that's what it comes down to. And, and I feel like John Angelos is just being greedy at this point. But you know, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing him and just shitting on him, even though a lot of people are. It's just it, it's it's the unfortunate reality that we live in as Orioles fans. He like I said, is dominating the headlines around this team when there's so many other things that should be the headlines. Yep. No, I agree with that. Um, another idea, make a brewery, dude. The warehouse is big enough to have some like stuff yeah. in there and make a brewery, make that open year round. People would definitely have a, like, yeah, even make your own beer. or So whatever, like, yeah, there are ways to work around this with what you have rather than like trying to get some completely new, like sexy thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, there are a lot of things you can do. Oh, same same solution I have with Pimlico because I know people want to move the Preakness away from Pimlico. Make it a full fetch sports book if you want. Like, yes, and like get make horse racing and other things like that fun again for just the casual like everyday like person come out. Yeah, so you have like absolutely. Like, if you make it a sports book as well as a horse racing thing, I know people that will spend their entire weekends there. They may not ever leave. <laughs> like. My granddad used to go to like catch but like three buses to go to Pimlico like every weekend. That's how much he loved the horses. Imagine mm-hmm. having a sports book. You can make it for like a like in a restaurant. You can make it like a family affair. Um, yeah. Degenerate. Like there are simple solutions to these that I think could happen. I don't think people are necessarily thinking about them like that way. So, yeah, no, I I completely agree. I think it just comes down to the fact that they're trying to maximize everything without thinking of. Okay, what's the simple answer to to ultimately right. get where we want to go, rather than okay, we need to get there right now. Just isn't that uh, it, Occam's razor? The simplest solution is always the best, or something like that. Yes, yes, exactly. 
So anyway, that's the Orioles talk. Um, like I said, unfortunately, there are so many other things to talk about with this team, but that's at the forefront. I'm sure as free agency goes along, as we get closer to the ending of the lease, we'll have more to talk about. But anyway, on December 6th, that's where we sit. Um, we mentioned it at the top. It's time to get into it. This past weekend was a fantastic week of college football. We talked about it last week going into it. There was so much that could potentially happen. There was so much on deck for this past weekend in college football. And I feel as though we were very blessed with a fantastic week of college football. Um, We will talk CFP in a minute. We will talk committee. We will talk bowl games. But Josh, I want to start the conversation with your Liberty Flames. Conference championship winners. New Year's Six Bowl getters i guess yeah um, i yeah we, we made it guys we did it liberty's in a new year's six bowl yeah i i honestly can't believe it it's it seems like a joke in a way like there'll be times i'll like kind of like it, it's a really surreal moment and i'll just kind of just take you back throughout the weekend and kind of leading up to it so yeah. um you know all week we're selling for the conference championship and we're focused hey conference championship conference championship conference championship you know i'm on the ticket sales side of things so our job is to just make it as packed as possible um and then we're kind of thinking crap after we do this we know like we know season tickets for 2024 2025 are going to go on sale soon but that we can't really think about that right now like we know it's happening but like okay it's just a thing we gotta worry about this bowl game and i'm thinking gosh where are we gonna go and i've heard some cities thrown out there i heard like memphis orlando the peach bowl at the best if we did get a new year six and i think someone mentioned the fiesta bowl maybe a couple weeks ago and everyone's kind of like yeah, we're not going to get that. Like, we're not going to, we're not going to get that. <laughs> so I was just preparing for what happens. And we know that Tulane has to lose. So before we even get to that, I'm going to go with Friday night, Friday. So championship game, Friday night, mm-hmm. CBS sports network for the conference USA title. I knew the crowd was going to be pretty excited. I was shocked at how like well everything went as far as just our crowd went a um, little bit over 20,000 people, which our stadium hosts 25,000. So for a Friday night, seven o'clock, and people, a relatively young fan base, where people aren't used to budgeting extra money for tickets for a conference championship that we were hosting, um, especially on a weeknight, that was a good turnout, and the crowd was active. It was a hell yeah, great environment. Uh, the conference did a great job just setting everything up and making it, even though it was our home, they made it as feel as neutral as you possibly can. Um, so New Mexico State, they traveled decently, like relatively well. They brought their band who did a decent job, their cheerleaders and like all that stuff. And they played, came in and played a great football game. It was a very competitive like football game. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it or not. Um, yeah, I watched it. Yeah. So just all around great football game. Um, a lot of questionable stuff happened, which was really weird. Like some calls didn't go our way that I thought could have. There was a field goal that like snuck just over the uprights and they called it no good. And we're looking at three people like, no, like, of course, we were like, that's good. It was a crucial part in, like, the third quarter. Whole crowd was going crazy. Their quarterback balled out in the first half before he got hurt. Um, that kid, I'd say he was, like, a short king, 5'10", like, baller dude. That kid balled. Like, he oh, actually yeah. balled. Got mobile in the pocket. Uh, according to the radio guys on our staff, I was in the bathroom, like, and the radio broadcast is going. He made a gesture to our students, grabbing his crotch and saying some interesting things. So, that may Uh-oh. or may not have got in the crowd a little bit uh, amped up and kind of going after him. But... All around great environment. Great, great win by Liberty. Caden Salter. I don't know if people have had a chance to watch him or not. 
Um, go back and look at his highlights this year. They've been he's been phenomenal. Just honestly, a fun mobile quarterback who's just a great athlete and just can just has zip on the ball. Great, great quarterback. Fun game, um, great environment. Fans stormed the field after the game, um, mm-hmm. which is always fun to see. Um, just a great, great surreal environment. I got to go on the field. I mean, I have my credentials, so it wasn't like I was just storming with students, but got to go on the field. Just a very surreal moment to see everyone kind of stick around for the Trojan presentation. The field was absolutely packed. I um, just trying to think, like, it was just really cool to see, like, just people hugging and, like, people carrying people on their shoulders and stuff. I was on the 30 and just kind of like trying to take a moment to take it all in because I rarely do because you just kind of get so numb to these things. Lady comes yeah. up to me, hands me like this. I thought this was like I knew there was going to be a weird encounter. She has me like a like a digital camera, like not like a phone, like a actual digital camera. She's like her daughter her comes up and is like, hey, can you take my picture? I'm like, yeah, like absolutely, absolutely. Take the camera, let them pose. And while she's going, what she goes, like just give me a prayer, man. Like just got diagnosed with cancer. going to kick this thing's oh. butt. But like. We are going to like, we're going to beat this thing. And I'm just so happy to be here. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm going to wave emotions. Like, yeah, like I'm excited. Yeah. Very, very, very sorry to hear that news. Cause like we've, we've all been affected by cancer. Like that's just a tough thing to kind of like a tough thing to kind of just get told. So take that picture, gave her a hug, be like, Hey, like just know we're praying for you. And like, you got this. I couldn't even get her name or anything like that. Just cause everything just kind of happened so fast. But like, right. just like little moments like that. I'm hanging out with my coworkers after the game. I see a friend of mine who I've known for like a while. She's like a little sister to me at this point, just cause like, I like get whole college with her older sister. So I've seen her, this is like one of her last years. So it's like a really, really surreal moment to kind of live great game, great environment. And then Saturday hits and I watched the, um, watched a couple of the other college football games that we're going into. And I see the Tulane SMU score. And it's on my it's on my TV while the Bama games on my iPad just because I'm like I'm flipping switching back and forth to like the Ray Allen tweet and um, <laughs> dude that's gonna get that's you deep cut for for people that's who get it that's a deep cut that's a deep cut um, switching back and forth like the Ray Allen tweet and uh, I see oh SMU's winning I'm like oh well Tulane's gonna they're gonna win like they're gonna win like they're the better team and they just keep losing and i'm like oh wait SMU might actually like do this thing and they win and win decent like it was an ugly game but they went pretty convincingly i'm like oh okay they won so hey we did our job and Tulane lost and then i thought wait smu might jump us and then i'm like all right well we don't know what's gonna happen and i look at the other games and everything kind of shakes out so wake up on sunday checking my phone and be like, okay, I work for the school. I'm going to get some information. Like some, someone's going to let something budge. I can at least right. not be like a nervous wreck the whole day. Like I just want to know where I'm going so I can plan my Christmas with my family and just figure things out. And 11 o'clock is like, dang, we usually had an inside scoop by now. Like we usually know something like, huh, maybe like something's up. Like I'm thinking, does anyone know anything? And I see the AP poll comes up. I'm refreshing Twitter every five seconds nothing i'm like all right i'm just gonna take a nap and then whatever happens just happens wake up at like 220 i'm like oh crap the uh, new york six announcements are in 10 minutes i literally just feel nerves in my stomach so again i'm scrolling twitter watching espn and i'm seeing the projections that everyone else is seeing on like their feed mm-hmm. and i'm like all right it's gonna be the peach bowl if anything if not <laughs> then say lobby it happens i'm at peace with it peach bowl comes up it's old miss and penn state i'm like oh that's a good matchup i'm like oh wait that's not us i'm like all right didn't really get it, you know. We'll see what happens. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll end up in a fun city. And then I hear Reese Davis kind of talk, like, "Oh, will the committee pick Liberty or SMU? Like, you never know. We got the Fiesta Bowl coming up. 
And I see Fiesta Ball, I see Oregon. I'm like, oh, good for them. And then I see Liberty. I'm like, wait, who? Like, <laughs> I was like, holy crap. Like, what the heck is going on? I'm like, oh, my God. We got to, like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we get to go to Phoenix. And I thought, oh, my God, we have to go to Phoenix. Like, Phoenix is not Atlanta. <laughs> Phoenix is not Atlanta. Atlanta. <laughs> it's geography. That's a, holy crap, like, that's such a good, it, like, it was like a wave of emotions and, like, every bit of 10 seconds, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they did it. Oh, my gosh, it's the Fiesta Bowl, it's New Year's Six. Oh, my gosh, that's Oregon. Oh, my gosh, how are we going to sell this thing? <laughs> so, it was a wave of emotions and a lot of questions, but sitting here, like, a couple days after the fact, it's an awesome opportunity. Very proud to be a part of this organization. Very proud, I mean, I can't say I did anything. I, I just sold tickets, they played. So, I'm very proud of those guys and what they do. It's a good thing for our brand, good thing for our fans. Um, there are definitely a little bit of growing pains with it. Just we don't we don't really know what – I mean, we as an athletic department know what we're doing, but our fans, it's a little bit of a learning process to be like, hey, these are why tickets are X amount of dollars. This is what it means to be a part of your New Year's Six. Hey. Yeah, of course. Like it's hard to do a student trip because, you know, we thought we were going to go six or eight hours away rather than, you know, a whole two days worth. So <laughs> – a lot of fun navigating all that, but I'm very proud of the Liberty Flame. Flame Station, you should definitely be proud of this team. They represent your school well. Coach Chadwell represents the school well, what we believe well, and just a good all-around guy. And just if you're a sports fan, it's fun football for us, like a small school in the middle of nowhere in Virginia. So it's awesome. Definitely get a chance to watch it on New Year's Six. It's going to be the first game. You're not doing anything else on New Year's Day besides recovering from your hangover. Definitely throw it on and hope for the best because I think it's going to be really fun football. And uh, yeah, uh, that's all I got to say about that right now. So Yeah, dude, I am super happy for you guys. I am super happy for the program. Um, obviously, like I did not attend Liberty. I didn't know much about the university, about the sports program until guys like you and other friends of mine that I had that went there and got involved. And they were like, oh, you know, Liberty is you know, we're good at sports and we do this. And, you know, this is what we are about. Um, when I saw on selection Sunday that Liberty true Oregon in a new year's six bowl, I had almost the same reaction. I was like, Oh shit, Oregon. Oh shit. Liberty in a new year's <laughs> six bowl. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Like, like people know me. I, I rarely curse and mom. If you like to hear this, I didn't, but like, I was like, <laughs> like, Holy shit. Like, what are we doing here? Like, like oh my gosh like it was legit just shock like, like yeah. I, I it's good it's really good it's just i don't know what's gonna happen dude <laughs> like hey straight- man all, all you can all you can do from here is play the game like liberty like they balled out all season they won their conference championship it was a great game friday night shout out smu pony up as i've always said uh yeah shout out to baltimore ravens legend jane prochet like yep. SMU did exactly what we needed them to do. And yeah, L- Liberty's in New Year's Six Bowl. Like that, I don't think you guys are being talked about enough, obviously, because, you know, it's a small school in comparison yeah. to the other schools that are, you know, in the in the news. But like, that's a huge deal. And I know you have just because, you know, the love that you have for the program. But like you and your coworkers and everybody involved should like take a moment to actually appreciate that because like – not only do you get a bowl game appearance, you're getting recognized, you're the ranked 12th in the nation or something like New Year's Six Bowl against Oregon in Phoenix. Like, that's a huge deal, man. And I like when I saw that, I was like, this is awesome for Josh. This is awesome for the Liberty Flames. Like, 
I'm super pumped for you guys. So it it super super awesome stuff for well, for, thanks, for everything that's going on. Yeah, thanks, Dante. It just it means a lot because like I went here, dude. We were playing like FCS schools like Presbyterian and like St. Francis yeah. and like all these other random universities I'd never heard of before I got here. And just to see like the investment kind of pay off, like I know Liberty has a lot of money just with the online school and everything, as well as like just enrollment. So we're we're not hurting financially as a school. I mean, we're not printing out money, but we're not hurting by any means. But it's really cool just to see the investment that the school has made over time, just investing in facilities like people like legit they invest in facilities they invest in their student athletes and they try to give Mm -hmm. them the best experiences and like programs as you can so that these results can happen it's really so cool to kind of see that come to fruition like our facilities are top notch like i don't know if you've ever been down here seen pictures anything like that but like i've seen pictures i haven't been but yeah yeah dude our facilities are like like no shade at maryland but our baseball stadium just is just nicer than maryland's we have like indoor outdoor like it's just it's crazy how much we invested into the programs and just to see the payoff, not only in like football, but all across like the board, I think it's only going to get better. Like our field hockey team went to a final four a couple years ago and it's perennially like a yeah. top 10 team. Baseball's done well. Basketball's been just a mid-major powerhouse the last five, six years. So it's good to see these investments kind of raise everyone. It's the saying like a rising tide, like lifts all ships. It's really good to kind of mm-hmm. see that. And I'm very happy about this team and I'll get off my Liberty high horse for a little bit so we can talk about <laughs> other games. So no, no, man. I, I, I love it. I love it for the flames. I love it for you. I love it for everybody involved. It, it really is cool. It's a great story and I will for sure be rooting for the flames come, uh, come new year's day. And you mentioned, you know, first game of the day, not, not doing anything other than nursing your hangover. I will be firmly planted in my couch watching, the, <laughs> watching the, uh, watching the Liberty Oregon game rooting for Liberty. Um, yeah, that's good, but we got to get you some merch, man. I got to get you some merch. I'll do that. I'll, I'm yeah, sure hell yeah. Some- you want a hat, yeah, t-shirt? Ab- what would you prefer? Yeah, absolutely. We'll 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 get it figured out. But I will I will gladly rock any Liberty Flames merch you you want to give me. Um. Now let's talk some CFP stuff. Yes. We talked about it last week. We wanted chaos, or I, at least I wanted chaos. Um, I feel as though we got it a little bit. Um, so we talked about it. We've referenced what Kirk Herbstreet was saying in the media all week. Um, the absolute doomsday scenario would be Alabama upsetting Georgia, Florida State winning against Louisville, Texas winning in the Big 12 championship, and, I mean, either Washington or Oregon winning that Pac-12 championship. I don't think it really mattered. But anyway, all of those things happened. Bama beat Georgia. Florida State won. And Washington beat Oregon as a nine and a half point dog in the Pac-12 championship. My standpoint on the aftermath, we could talk about the games in a second, but I really wanted to hit on the decision made by the committee. The conversation of the most deserving versus the best. That was, you know, the hot buzzwords in the street all weekend. I believe that the responsibility of the committee when it comes to the top four teams that get into the playoff are the best teams in college football. Now, I do think there has to be some concessions as far as who earned a spot. Now, I understand that sounds a lot like the most deserving. I think there's a little bit of a difference because Florida State was one of the most deserving teams to get in the, to the top 10 or the top four playoffs spots. They just flat out were Jordan Travis or not. They were one of the most deserving teams. 
However, Florida State against any team, Georgia included, that was mentioned for a college football playoff spot, Florida State's not winning those games. They just aren't. Florida State, if you put them in as a four seed, they're getting bounced. And in fact, they're probably losing by at least like 30 points to Michigan, to Alabama, to Washington, to Texas, to Georgia, to any team. That's why I think the committee made the right decision by not putting them in. I think if you're going to play in the college football playoff, there has to be at least a chance of you competing for a national championship. And that's why, in my humble opinion, I think the committee got it right. I think Michigan can absolutely win the college football playoff. I think Washington has a chance to win a national championship. I think Bama can absolutely win a national championship. And as crazy as this sounds, I think Texas can win the national championship. Like all four teams that they put in, I truly believe have a chance at winning the national championship. And that's why as, as terrible as it is for Florida state, they had a fantastic year. And like Jordan Travis said, I too believe they are more than just a quarterback. However, I don't think they're competing for a national championship. And I, everybody said it this week, two things can be true. You know, the committee can, can have gotten it right. And Florida state can have gotten screwed at the same time. Both things can be true. And I think that's the case. So Josh, I'll defer to you. What do you think? How do you feel about the CFP? Give me, give me your thoughts on, on the decisions made and, and everything that we got this weekend. I think that we got the best playoff outcome that we could have gotten out of this whole crazy situation. Um, and it just, it just, unfortunately Florida State got screwed over, but it's just the way that things for lack of a better terms broke out. Like, yeah, I don't think Dante, you watched the last two weeks of Florida State football. I'm sure like just casually watching it. Mm-hmm. They didn't look like a, they didn't look like a, the best team in, they didn't look like one of the best four teams in the nation. They, shoot, they don't even look like one of the best five teams in the nation. Teams, no. teams, 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 teams. They have an elite defense. That's a top four defense. Yes. Yes. Their offense without Jordan Travis is not great. Um, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> hard to watch. Listen, I watched that Louisville game. It was rough. Uh, it yeah. was a tough game to watch. Like, I, I, I didn't even want to keep it on. It was just a tough game to watch. I don't I don't think that that team is a playoff caliber team. I don't think they would win a game just because that's not the same team that won the first 11 games a year because Jordan Travis makes that much of a difference. That's a test with them. I'll get a quarterback. He is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They also have some close games throughout the whole year versus not great competition. Um, yes. Again, doesn't matter. I will listen. This team had the worst strength of schedule in the whole entire country. I will not apologize for wins. You play who you play, and the chips fall where they may. I am not. I am not saying like this credit for State. I think they are a good team. I just don't think they're one of the best four teams as it stands right now on December 6, twenty twenty three. Um, but they also did to get screwed because their argument is we won everything that we were supposed to win. So also, it's also the weird because this is also entertainment factor of do you like is this team going to be entertaining to see, watch? against a Michigan or a yeah. Washington or a Texas. It sucks, but um, they did get a great matchup against Georgia and that how yep. they respond will show like, Hey, you guys got it wrong. Or, Hey, this is exact. They are who we thought they were. The borrowed hundred percent. And, and I, I know it's been, it's been a joke kind of that's been thrown around, you know, Twitter and some, you know, big podcasts, part of my take t- to name one of them. If, if they come out and they beat Georgia, 
they can, they, they can pull a UCF and be like, we're the 2023 national champions. And unlike UCF, I will be on their side. If they beat Georgia, Florida state's a 2023 national championship as, uh, champions. As far as I'm concerned, like, yeah, they absolutely have a claim to that. Um, however, you're, ab- you're absolutely right. Like if they, if they come out and they get smacked by Georgia, then I think that proves everybody right. You know, like that, right. that proves everything that everybody was saying. They didn't belong in the college football playoff. They weren't, they weren't the same team without Jordan Travis. And look, Georgia's really good. I think Alabama is also really good with Jordan Travis. I don't know if they beat Georgia. I think they have, they definitely have a better game for sure. But anyway, we'll, we'll see how that game plays out. But I have a question. No, I, do you think I, like, go ahead. I said, do you think this Florida State team will beat Oregon? Like, as it says right now, do you think this Florida State team beats the Oregon team that played last Friday? No, I do really don't. Penn, do you think they beat Penn State? I think they have a shot at beating Penn State just because of how not great Penn State's offense is. But, like, I think I, For Ole Miss? I, view, I view this current Florida State team the same way I view Iowa. Great defense. They can compete against non-national championship contenders. Yeah. You know, like, and, and, and that's why I feel so bad for them. I feel so bad for their fans. I feel so bad for their team. I feel so bad for the school. I feel so bad for everyone involved because they had such a great thing going. And if Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt, they are in the, they're, they're in the playoff. And frankly, even without Jordan Travis, I think if they blow out Louisville, they're probably in. Like if, if they, if they would have won by 20 points, they're probably in. The and quarterback would have thrown for 200 yards instead of 78. We're having a totally different discussion. Exactly. So, yes, I feel terrible. I'm gutted for the Florida State ba- fan base and players and everyone involved. But at the end of the day, I truly do think the committee got it right. I think the best four teams are in the college football playoff say what you want about Georgia over Texas or Washington, Alabama beat Georgia. Georgia didn't win their conference championship. I think style points like Stephen A. Smith said on ESPN the other day, style points have something to do with college football. I don't think, I don't think they play a role in, in NFL football, but in college football style points matter. And Alabama beating Georgia the way that they did Washington winning the way that they did Texas winning the way that they did that all matters. So while if you were to roll out Georgia and Washington or Georgia and Texas, we, I don't know what the outcome is. Maybe Georgia wins those games more often than not, but style points matter. Winning your conference matters, losing your conference matters. So I I think they got it right. I think the, 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 the most deserving slash best four teams are in the college football playoffs. So I'll say that uh, Georgia lost one game in like the last two years. I think in the last 39 games, it just so happened to be the worst game they could, they could possibly lose. hundred percent. They lose a regular season game when SEC championship. We're talking about a Georgia team and over an Alabama team. Um, Absolutely. Again, it sucks, but they, they got it right. They, they got it right. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing why I think they got it right is it's written in the bylaws of the college football playoff that if a player is injured of significance, that does determine where you fall in the rankings. Like, yeah, unfortunately, that matters. Like you aren't like the Ravens aren't the same team without Lamar Jackson. Like Florida State's not the same team without Jordan Travis. Like those guys do matter. And like, 100%. does it suck? Yeah. And people ask questions like, oh, why do you play the game if wins don't matter? Like you need both. Like 
it's four spots. You need you need both wins and to have the right team on the field. So yes, I think the committee guy right. I think that there are a lot of great bowl games just in general. Um, not even just a playoff game. There's just a lot of fun matchups that I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. get into as we get close to the season. Um, but I think the committee got it right. Um, I think I yeah, I think the committee got it right. That's all I got to say. And I, I I'm excited to watch every team play because I think they all bring something different to the table. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think the CFP as it's set, I'm very excited. I think we got not only the four best teams. I think we got two great matchups. Yep. Um. I'm extremely excited. I know I don't know when the games start. I think it's after New Year's is when the college uh, football playoff games start. I can I can check. I can check real quick. Um, okay. Yeah, but um, I, I know nothing for at least the next two weeks. But the first game is Michigan Bama, number one versus number four, and the other game is Washington versus Texas, two versus three. Yes. That that those game those matchups are awesome. Um, if it was if it was Texas versus Michigan, I think, or at least I would lean uh, to a very one sided game in that in that in that matchup. I think many people would agree. And same on the other side. If it was Washington Bama, I would lean one side pretty one pretty heavily. Um, the fact that we're getting Michigan versus Bama, two thing two teams that I think match up really well against each other. Bama has a really good defense. Their offense has gotten super um, improved. Over the second half of the season, Jalen Milrow, we talked about him last week, has come on significantly uh, in the back half of the year. And Michigan, they've run the ball really well. They play really good defense. J.J. McCarthy's not going to blow anybody out of the water, but he does exactly what needs to be done in order to win games. I think that's a great matchup. Um, Alabama, I don't think anybody should count them out. And I think if you do, you're wrong. I'm not saying I think they're going to win this game. I think they are absolutely more than capable of competing and of winning in this game. Um, But you know, on the other side, Michigan's got Harbaugh back. They won pretty convincingly uh, in the Big Ten championship, as I think a lot of people expected. So that is going to be a very fun game. Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh, potentially Jim Harbaugh's last game with the Michigan Wolverines, some are saying. Uh, and then on the other side, Washington and Texas, I think this game may be the most fun game out of all college football match uh, playoff matchups. Uh, I think this game is built for points. Both defenses are okay. Both offenses are really good. Quinn Ewers played a very good game in the uh, Big 12 championship against Oklahoma State. He's played really well uh, the last few weeks, actually. Um, And then on the other side, you know, Washington, we talked about him last week, weren't playing their best ball coming into this game, but Michael Penix absolutely put the game on his back, dominated against Oregon, did everything that people were concerned about him being able to do lit him up with his arm, made the right decisions, kept the ball clean and won the game for them just flat out. Like he was a dominant force against Oregon. So like I said, I don't, I'm, I think they got not only the teams, right, but I think they got the matchups, right. It's going to be a great uh, semifinal weekend. And I, I can't say much more. I'm super excited for these matchups. I think it's going to be a great weekend of college football when we get when we get to it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. Yeah, so um outside of that, we will uh, we will address the some of the bowl games as we get closer. We have some time. Um I don't know if there's any other games this week other than Army Army Navy. Navy. Army Navy. Yep. Aside from Army Navy, I think that's all we got this week. Um 
I know Navy is not great. Uh, they are not nearly as good as they have been in previous years, but being from Baltimore, uh, I am morally obligated to say go Navy beat Army. I am going to secondhand you in that, especially with like <laughs> a lot of family being in Navy, go Navy beat Army. That's all I got to say. Yeah, they are. Uh, I believe they're playing it in Foxborough. Uh, should be a great weekend. Game day is going to be there. It's going to be a huge thing. Army Navy is always great every year. So uh, yeah, go Navy beat Army. And if you're not doing anything on Saturday, Tune in. It should be a good game. It all it Army Navy is always a good game. Right. It's always going to be fun. There's always going to be uh, a lot of running the ball, not a ton of passing, but in a way it's endearing. It's not the sexiest football that's ever going to be played, but it's fun. If you're a football fan, you got to watch this game. Yep. There's going to be a lot of linemen pulls, a lot of fullbacks, a lot of running <laughs> the ball, a lot of off. Is this Greg Roman's dream offense? Like when Greg Roman like I, sleeps and thinks about football, does he think about Army Navy? Dude, why wasn't Greg Roman asked to coach Navy when he Left he would have been a perfect fit. Like, no joke. He yeah. would have been the perfect No, no, no. Fit. I'm dead ass serious. I'm 100% agreeing with you. He would have been a perfect coach for, for Navy. Yeah. Why didn't he do that? That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, all right. Well, hey. I would root for. We're I not here. We're not here to. <laughs> we're no, not no. here to recruit for anybody. But you're right. <laughs> Greg <laughs> like, um, Roman, if he was the coach of the Na- like the Naval Academy, yeah, dude, that makes so much sense. Oh. I, I, although I've been sitting on a take that I think Harbaugh is going to coach the Bears and he's going to ask Greg Roman to go with him next year, but Jim or John? Jim, no, 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 not John. Jim. Okay, I, I don't hate that take. It's Justin Fields is a mobile quarterback and can run the ball, and he, Greg Roman, does establish a great game plan for younger quarterbacks who need, can run the ball. I've been saying it all week, man. Greg Roman is exactly as crazy as this is going to sound. Greg Roman is exactly what that Chicago offense needs. No, it, no, it, it like Greg Roman is not a bad OC. Like, no, the reason he's why, not. the reason, the reason why we got frustrated with him is because just things got stale. Right. Cause he didn't adapt. Right. Like you, right. he has, if he were to go to Chicago, just in, in a hypothetical situation, if he were to go to Chicago with John or excuse me, Jim Harbaugh as a head coach, you have an all-world talent athletically in Justin Fields, which is exactly what Greg Roman strives with. You have a really good tight end in Cole Komet. You have good running backs in Khalil Herbert, Dante, uh, Deontay Foreman, and others. And you have one of the best wide receivers on the planet in DJ Moore, which we never had here. Right. So, look, I, Jim Harbaugh are not. If they get rid of Luke Getze this offseason, I think Greg Roman is, Don't without a shred of doubt, the right guy for the job. We have an agenda what? to push. We have an agenda <laughs> to push. I am so serious. We do have an agenda to push. We have an agenda. This For the loving people of Chicago, I love Chicago. Never been. I just love the people from Chicago. We yep. owe it to them to try to lobby for Greg Roman to be their OC. We do. I, and I think, I think we should. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I, get the man a job. He's not... He's a nice guy, really, really nice guy from what I heard. Like, just so really, really nice fun guy. Fun fact, fun fact, um, probably like two or three months ago, uh, my parents and my sister were in Atlantic City. My dad was in Atlantic City for work, and my mom and my sister just decided to go with him. They were walking through a casino to go to a restaurant for lunch and ran into Greg Roman. No way. Swear to God. Apparently, he's from the Atlantic City area, and he lives there, I guess, and he was hanging out, 
and uh, my dad texted a picture to me and my younger brother and was like, hey, check out who I just ran into. And it was a picture of Greg Roman. And I said some things that I won't repeat. But right. um, <laughs> no, I just I said, I said, did you ask him if he feels sorry for ruining Lamar? But, you know, yeah, I digress. You're paying. Uh, okay. No, he, he said, yeah, I, I, I have to own up to it anyway. Right. He he said he walked up to Greg Roman and introduced himself, my mom, my sister, and Greg was he said he was very nice, very good guy, um, very like personable, can can relate to you, can talk to you, which you know, sometimes with somebody who's been to that level, you don't necessarily expect. But yeah, no, it apparently he's a great dude, uh, very like very chill, very relatable. Um, you know, it just it just didn't work out in Baltimore. However, like you said, we have an agenda to push, and I think he'd be perfect for Chicago. I think we owe it to Chicago fans. I, I agree. They deserve some form of entertainment and happiness, and no, <laughs> no one's more entertaining than Greg Roman one way or another. They, no one would ever be giving much to talk about other than Greg Roman as all OC. So I think we do owe it to him. It's funny. <laughs> Here's another – I know we've gone to a lot of sidebars, but your story about Greg <laughs> Roman reminded me of a story. We haven't gotten to the Ravens yet. Holy cow. Um, your story about Greg <laughs> Roman reminded me of a story that we heard about another former Ravens offensive coordinator, uh, Cam Cameron. Mm-hmm. And when we were at Loyola, you know, he was at the coach at the Ravens at the time. I think Danny even went to Loyola. His son went to Loyola, right? Yeah. Like, I've never interacted with Danny, but he seemed chill from what I could tell. Like, nothing crazy. Like, but my dad, right. like, okay. <laughs> okay. Got it. <laughs> so... My dad was at one of the like the Blake Hill Fathers things that Cam Cameron actually called. Like he said something like Cam Cameron was like the nicest guy in the world, like very personable, just like super chill, super strong in like what he believed and faith and stuff like that. Just talked to people like he was a normal dude. So maybe it's just a thing of like, hey, maybe Ravens office coordinators are like the nicest guys in the world. Like you never know. So yeah, Harbaugh institute a certain culture. So wouldn't surprise me if he goes after certain personalities. That's that's, but, fair. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Anyway, I think uh, I think we can use that conversation as a good segue into our Ravens preview of this week. Um, so obviously we're coming off the bye. Uh, some people are saying that the Ravens won the bye. I think we won the bye. I I, I think like I think we won this bye. Everyone we needed to lost loss. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. there were some injuries. Unfortunately, we benefit from those injuries depending on how things shake out in the next couple weeks or so. But Chiefs lost, which is huge for the number one seed, which yep. some people don't want the number one seed. Some people do want the number seed, number one seed. I just want to make the playoffs and have right. the best, favorite, <laughs> most favorable matchup. Like, I want to win the division that has the most favorable matchup. The Steelers lost to the Cardinals, which I am not shocked by that at all. Nope. Um, did, I, did we say anything about that last week? Because I don't, I don't know if we did or didn't. I don't think we did. Okay. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I was not shocked to see that result. Who else lost? Oh, the Browns lost. Uh, Joe Flacco and the Browns lost, which feels weird to say to the Rams. So, yeah, great, great and, job, guys. We won the bye. And on Monday night, the Bengals with backup quarterback Jake Browning went into Jacksonville and beat Trevor Lawrence. Correct. So they did. Yeah, they did that. Almost, if not every team that the Ravens needed to lose. Oh, Miami was the only team that didn't lose. Yeah, but on, they played. Uh, they played week. the Washington Washington McCallits and just right. raced them. So, yeah, they they essentially also had a bye week. But um, yeah, so we'll we'll talk about the Ravens a little bit now. So the Ravens are coming out the bye week. They are a seven point favorite at home against the Rams over under is sitting at 40 and a half. 
headlines coming into this game. Um, I feel like there aren't many, which is a good thing for the Ravens. Um, a lot of talk over the last week or so has been about Zach Ertz. He's been rumored after his release from the Cardinals. He's been rumored to a number of quote unquote contenders. The Ravens and the Eagles feel like the front runners. The Chiefs and the Bills are allegedly behind them or in the mix. However, you want to dictate that. Um, I don't know about you, Josh. I would love the signing if we were to bring in Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is not going to replace what Mark Andrews gives you in this offense. He's just flat out not. But I'm okay with that. Zach Ertz is more than capable as a receiver. He's not a great blocker at this point in his career, but I don't think if you were to sign him, you need him to be. You have Pat Ricard. You have Charlie Kohler. And Isaiah likely has shown that he can block more or less at a capable level. So if you use Zach Ertz, you don't need him to just dominate a one-on-one blocking matchup. You have him in there. He does what he does. And he's he's predominantly a pass catcher. Like I said, he's not going to replace Mark Andrews' production in the pass game, but he occupies the middle of the field. He's a savvy vet. He knows how to read defenses. He's played with mobile quarterbacks before, a la Kyler Murray. So when the quarterback gets out the pocket and he starts to make stuff happen, he knows how to maneuver himself and make himself open. On top of all that, he's won a Super Bowl. He has playoff experience. Not only does he have playoff experience, he has playoff success on his resume. That's the main reason I think we should sign Zach Ertz. And, I mean, I know Harbaugh is saying he's not completely closing the door on Mark Andrews. God willing, if Mark Andrews comes back in, you know, the end of January, or, God willing, if we make the Super Bowl, if Mark Andrews comes back for the Super Bowl, if you put him and Zach Ertz on the same field, I don't see how anything bad comes from that. I'm not holding my breath on that happening. However, if Harbaugh is saying he's not closing the door on Mark Andrews returning, neither will I. So I think it would be a good idea to sign Zach Ertz for those reasons. However, like Harbaugh said, I do like our guys. I think our guys are more than capable. If we did sign Zach Ertz, I don't even think he'd take over the number one spot from Isaiah Likely. But like I said, I don't think you need him to. I think you just need him to occupy the middle of the field, catch three to four balls a game, and be the locker room vet presence on a team that is hoping to, to to make a run. That's just how I feel on it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that it would be a good signing if we did do it. Don't think we will just because I think mm-hmm. like they like what they have in the offensive side of things. It would be nice to have an offensive vet though to kind of like help just keep things going. But our lack of excitement to sign him or lack of, uh, I guess, ex expediency to sign him would uh, point to Mark Andrews maybe coming back sooner than we hope he does in a way. Yeah. That's just how my brain thinks about it. If you're not looking to replace a guy like that, I mean, which you're not going to replace Mark Andrews regardless, but if you're not going to replace him that he must be like on a better track to come back than we think we did. I think the surgery went like by all accounts, like really, really, really well, like surprisingly yeah. well. And the damage was not as bad as we originally thought it was. I think like that's just something the parties have said, both parties have said actually. And um yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I wouldn't be mad if the signing happens. I don't expect anything to. My question for you is, would you rather see him on the offensive side or Nadama Kinsu on the defensive side of the ball? So from a depth perspective, I think I would lean to Zach Ertz just because Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler are really the only two tight ends you have on the roster. God forbid if one of it's if something happens to one of them, then you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel, bottom of the barrel. However, 
from an overall perspective, I think I would absolutely lean to Dominic and Sue because like you and I have talked about over the last couple of weeks, the struggles that we've had in the run game. Sue is a stalwart against the run. That is what he gets paid to do. That is what people sign him to do late in the season. Like he did last year with Philadelphia. They were struggling against the run when Jordan Davis was hurt. They bring in Sue. Their issues go away. Um, so the injury aspect aside, I think the overwhelming answer for me would be Sue. Um, I'm not ruling that out either. Uh, I saw there was a headline going around that he expects to sign within the next week or two with a contender. The Eagles were mentioned just because he was there last year. I don't, I don't know if I'm Sue, if I sign with the Eagles over the Ravens. However, that requires the Ravens to be interested as well. So we'll see what happens there. But to answer your question, I think, I think my answer would be Sue. Yeah, I agree. I think defense side ball is just it would help out a lot better than it would for her. Sue's impact on defense would go a lot longer, a lot more, like a lot better than um, Ertz's impact on the offense, in my opinion. Um, I agree. Also, just I mean, it's, we we only saw one game; it wasn't really the best sample size. I think like he looked really good when he got him the ball. Charlie Cole can lock his butt off, and I think he can also catch the ball. So, yep. I think we're also suffering from we haven't seen a lot of the Ravens in the last few weeks, so we're just kind of going off one game and offensively it wasn't the best game in the world. So. Mm-hmm. Ask me this question again in like another week or two, and we can like this time next week, and we can see how we progress with that if he's not signed already. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Outside of the Zach Ertz talk, uh, we mentioned the Ravens. They won the bye week. They are currently sitting in the number two seed in the AFC behind Miami. Um, I saw something that said if the Ravens just win, they will secure their own own fate. So we're currently in a position to where if we win out, which includes the game against Miami we will have the one seed in the AFC. So we control our own destiny, which is always a good thing, uh, regardless of, you know, recent history. I mean, 2006 we, and 2019. <laughs> right. We control our own destiny. So if we went out and we take care of business, we win the games that we're supposed to win, we'll be in a good spot come end of December, early January. Um, on the other side of the ball, the Rams just beat up on the Browns. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, you mentioned Joe Flacco. I... I didn't think Joe looked that bad. I I was actually surprised at what I saw from Joe Flacco. He was spinning it a little bit. He uh, he looked like Joe Flacco of old. He even had a couple throws where he was like, look, I don't even care if this is close to a receiver. I'm going to remind y'all what I got on, on right. the right side of my shoulders. Right. Um, he, he Joe looked good. There was a minute there where he had him in the game. And then, you know, towards the end of the game, L.A. just pulled away. But uh, the Rams are currently one game out of the playoffs. So they're not dying easy. They have something to fight for. Uh, I, I think, I think on paper, this is going to be a closer game than it may seem. The Rams are not a bad team. They're certainly not as bad as I expected them to be coming into the season. So I, I don't know if, if I was an objective third party watching this game who had no rooting interest, I would actually be very interested because these teams like they match up decently well against each other, which I don't know if I feel great about that as a Ravens fan, but I think this is going to be a good game. I just, I just do. I think this is going to be a really good matchup. Yeah. Matchup's not totally in our favor. They're like, we look at games like, Oh my gosh, we should blow them out. This one. I'm just like, uh, uh, they, they, they got some pieces and they're starting to come around. They have a really good coach on the other side of the, like on the other side of there. Like, um, why am I blinking on his name right now? Uh, I can picture his face. Sean McVay. Sean McVay. There we go. 
There we go. Yeah, Sean McVay is a really good coach, and Matt Stafford's not Detroit Matt Stafford, and he's not completely washed. My shoulder's falling off Matt Stafford. He's getting healthier. And they have two yes. really good receivers in Cooper Cup, who isn't what he has been last year or the two years ago, but he's still a really good receiving option. And Puka yep. Nakua, that kid can Puka's ball. awesome. That kid can ball. Like, uh-huh. he'd be up there for rookie of the year if it wasn't for C.J. Stroud having such a great year. Like, yes. Flat out gamer and our corner. I mean, shoot, our secondary is going to have a have a tough day. The weather, though, the weather, the weather yes. is looking ugly, yep. like ugly in Baltimore Sunday. So if the Rams, if the Rams can't run the ball, and we can, I like our chances a whole lot better than you know them running a track race on us. So that's just my initial thoughts. Absolutely. On it. Yeah, this Rams team is pretty good, yeah. and their defense isn't terrible. Like they have some guys on defense mm-hmm. that are really good. Aaron Donald still scary, <laughs> like. Aaron Donald's still Aaron Donald. For sure. Don't yeah. get it twisted. Aaron Donald is still that guy. And their um, secondary yeah, is not you, terrible. No, secondary is not bad at all. Like they, they are so much. I don't think they're getting enough credit for how well they're playing. And I know Stafford was hurt there for a little bit. They lost Kyron Williams for like four or five weeks there. So, you know, their offense was struggling from that. Like they, they're better than people are giving them credit for. I'll say that. Uh, you mentioned the weather. That's definitely going to play a part in my keys to victory. I have a number of points that are going to hit on the weather there as a little tease. Um, But yeah, I think we can go ahead and get right into uh, the matchups and my keys to victory. Um, So we were just talking about the matchups there. This, this, this matchup to me between these two teams is closer than a lot of people are giving it credit for the Rams offense. They're 15th in rush yards per game. They're averaging just under 115 per game. They're 13th in yards per carry, averaging 4.3. They're 15th in pass yards per game, averaging 231 on the nose. And they are tied for 12th in yards per pass, averaging 7.1. Matching up with those numbers, the Ravens defense, 11th in rush yards per game. They are averaging 102.3 given up. They're tied for 20th in yards per carry, 4.3. Second in yards per pass, or excuse me, pass yards per game allowed. Second in pass yards per game allowed, averaging 171.7 given up. And they are first in yards per pass against. They are averaging 4.6 yards per pass against. And I think the next closest is like 5.8. So it's a pretty significant margin. On the other side of the ball, the Rams defense versus the Ravens offense. The Rams defense are 16th, or excuse me. Yeah, nope, that's right. 16th in rush yards per game, averaging 111.1 given up. 14th in the league in yards per carry, averaging 4.2 yards per carry against. 15th in pass yards per game against, averaging 219.8. And tied for 11th in yards per pass, 6.3 given up. Ravens. We know about the Ravens offense. They are first in rush yards per game, averaging 158.6. Second in yards per carry, averaging just under five a clip. 20th in pass yards per game, averaging 207.5. And And they're tied for fourth in yards per pass, 7.8. So when you look at the numbers, the Rams are pretty much middle of the pack in all facets. The Ravens offense really good at running the ball. We we know what they can do throwing the ball, but statistically, they haven't lit it up consistently. On defense, we know they struggle with the run. They're really good against the pass. 
the weather, I think, is absolutely going to play a factor in this game. I saw a weather report today. It is supposed to start raining at like 12 o'clock or 1230 in the afternoon. Game is at one o'clock at the bank. And there's supposed to be a disgusting amount of rain. It's going to be windy. It's going to be cold. It's going to be pissing rain. I think that's absolutely going to have a factor in the game. And frankly, I think it benefits us. Uh, we are the better running team. I think if our defense sells out to stop, to stop the run and keeps them from throwing the ball, I think we can stop them. Um, so I'll just take that right into my keys to victory. First keys, first key to victory in this game. You have to pound the rock. We talked about it after the chargers game. You have to run the ball and you have to do so effectively. You are the number one rushing offense in the NFL and you are facing the number 16 rushing defense in the NFL. I don't care how close the numbers are. I don't care what the standard deviation is. Keep it simple, stupid. Pound the rock. Gus and Keaton Mitchell, to not combined individually, both of them should have at least 8 to 10 carries in this game. There's no reason that you should be throwing the ball 30 times. There's no reason that you should be dropping back an unnecessary amount of times. Go under center. Secure the hand or secure the snap and hand the ball off to Gus to Keaton Mitchell. Hell, get Justice Hill involved, not more than Gus Edwards, but get him involved. Run the ball guard to guard, dominate at the line of scrimmage. Okay, this game is going to be won or lost in the trenches. If you can dominate guard to guard, have Stanley and Moses hold their own on the outside, use Pat Ricard, use Charlie Kohler, go heavy when you need to, run the ball, you will win this game flat out. Second key, second key to victory. <coughs> Excuse me. On the opposite side of the football, contain Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams is very good. Former Notre Dame Irish. I'm very familiar with this guy. He's good. He missed a couple weeks. He was on IR. I forget he had an ankle injury or something. Sean McVay's offense is very running back centric, and you you need a good one to be good. And Kyron Williams is a very good running back. You got to keep him hemmed in. You can't let him run loose. If he gets loose, he keeps up with you on the other side of the football. This is going to be a shootout. And you don't want that. Contain Kyron Williams. Use the bad weather to your advantage. Sell out to stop the run. Make Stafford throw the ball 30 times to beat you. If he does that, I like our chances. Third key to victory. Win the turnover battle. Going back to the weather again. Make them create turnovers. Make them make mistakes. Use the bad weather to your advantage. Just play clean. Get turnovers when the opportunities present themselves and capitalize on them. You can't give them turnovers. You can't give them extra opportunities. And when they give you extra opportunities that you're capable of creating, you can't squander them. You got to capitalize. Fourth key to victory, and this one is kind of important. Uh, you got to get Stafford on the ground. If and when they do drop back to pass, you have to get Matt Stafford on the ground. They are very good at protecting him. They are tied for fourth in sacks per game given up. They are averaging under two sacks a game, 1.8. And obviously we know about the Ravens. They're leading the league in sacks per game, 3.9. They're leading the league in total sacks. I don't know what the number is. Get Matt Stafford on the ground. Don't give him opportunities to throw the ball. Don't give him opportunities to get comfortable in the pocket. Don't let him have time to let pass concepts develop. If Cooper Cup 
and Puka Nakua and Tyler Higby and whoever the hell else on that offensive side of the ball have time to run routes and get open down the field, it's not going to end well, bad weather or not. So don't give him the chance. Just get to him, get him on the ground, hit him hard, and remind him that you're there, and we'll be good. Those are my keys to victory. Josh, I know I just threw a lot at you, but how do you feel about all that? What do yeah, you think? run the dang ball. Run the, run the dang ball. Just run, run the, the dang, dang ball. Through, run the dang ball through someone's face. Um, no, seriously, <laughs> that's literally my game plan. Run the ball through someone's face. It's going to be ugly. Please do not have Lamar throw 30 times. Yes. Please. Like, just please. Like, yes. It's, it, it doesn't benefit anyone when he's just throwing the ball that much. And that's not a knock yes. at Lamar. It's just that we don't have the O-line to protect them that well. And we're also mm-hmm. just not giving our receivers that time not to get open. Do what works well and move the ball by, you know, uh, running the ball well. And then when you run the ball, you can set up play action because they're selling out the they're selling out the stop the run, and that opens up things for receivers more and your tight ends more. That and you can work the middle of the field. These are things that's going to work. Run the ball, win the turnover battle, do not make mistakes, and play solid defense. Like please, just play solid defense. Yes. And on the defense. Get to the edge. The, the game's going to be one in the edges. The edges are going to be so important in this game. Yep. Queen and Royal Quantum guys continue to get to the edges to stop their running backs and like blow up anything that they got going. Um, and um, shoot, the our edges in the old line have to protect Lamar. If you're going to pass the ball, make it quick passes, like screen mm-hmm. routes and such. Try to get the receiver the ball the receivers in space. I know it's going to be windy and ugly, so you probably don't want to try to stretch the field out, but you need to need a deep shot here and there. But like, Try to work the middle field, have people sit down in zones and stuff of that nature. Um, just don't make mistakes. Just tackle. Keep them in front of you and tackle. Yeah, that's kind of a similar game plan for the, like, for the Cincinnati game. Keep them in front of you and tackle and run the ball well and be effective, and you're going to be good to go. Yeah, I absolutely agree. There was, a, uh, there was a graphic going around Twitter today, I believe, showing the amount of snaps versus single coverage and the separation generated in single coverage. Uh, Bateman... Odell and Zay are all very good against single coverage generating separation. So I have a feeling that LA's game plan defensively is going to be to stack the box, to send pressure, to try and stop the run, make them throw the ball in bad weather as is ours. So if that's the case, if you get single coverage on any of those guys, get them the ball quick, hit them in a slant, hit them in a flat, hit them on a screen, whatever the case may be, get the ball in their hands and let them make something happen because they're capable of it. We've seen it. Let the playmakers make plays. As simple yep. as that sounds, just get the ball in their hands. Let them do what they do. Yep, I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, Special teams right, make all... the plays. Special teams make yes. the plays. That's not the key. Yes. I, I know the weather's ugly. Don't rush it. Just go through your progressions and make your kicks. Yes, well said. Uh, that's be- all I have on this game. Do you have any final thoughts? Three is going to be important in this game. Seven is always better, but I think this game comes down to a couple field goals, so just – do that. I I I get, I just think this is gonna be an ugly win. I don't think this is a team that we just boat race. Um, although John Harbaugh is really good coming out of a bye, so I'll that's be true. What, he is. I will be curious to see what a, te- a rested team comes out looking like after this. So, I agree. I agree. That's a really good point. Yeah, I agree. Take take your threes when you can get them. Don't force it. Don't try to be too cute. Take the points. Put them on the board. Play defense. Yep. Um. Yeah, that's all I got for this game. Josh, that's all I got for this week. Uh, any yep. final thoughts before we go ahead and get out of here? Nope, just have a great weekend, guys. Enjoy the Army-Navy games. A lot of college basketball going on as well. Um, and yeah, just have a great weekend. Enjoy the game Sunday. You heard him. Everybody have a great weekend. Have one on us. Josh, thank you so much for joining me, as always. Until next week, brother. Peace. Anytime. Thank you.
All right, y'all. Last order of business, as always, NFL Week 14, best bets of the week. Recording this Wednesday night, so I'm sure things will change. I will have more as I do every week. I will have the intern put them out sometime Sunday morning whenever he gets to it. But anyway, let's get into these picks. First pick of the week. This is a game that I, nor you, nor anyone has any business betting or even watching for that matter. Shout out to everybody listening on release day, Thursday. Uh, This is the Thursday night game, Patriots versus Steelers. I'm betting the under 30 and a half. It is the lowest point total since 1993. Forget who the game was between, but the game finished with a final score of seven to two. These teams are not good. In fact, I'll go as far to say these teams are ass. The Patriots are starting Bailey Zappi. They will be without Pop Douglas. They will be without Ramondre Stevenson. I don't know how much, if at all, this team will be able to move the ball. And on the flip side, we know about the Steelers' offense. They have not been good. They've surpassed 400 yards once in, I don't even know how long, two years maybe? They fired Matt Canada. They went over 400 yards. And then last week, they looked just as bad as they did before. Kenny Pickett is out. Mitch Trubisky is starting. Najee Harris may likely be out. Jalen Warren was the starter to begin with uh, over the last couple weeks at least. But Najee does a lot in short distance, does a lot of goal line for them. This is a terrible game, terrible total. Should not be betting this game, but I'm going to have to. I will take the under 30 and a half. Come Sunday, first pick on Sunday. I don't like doing this. Um, a lot of you will give me shit for this. I don't care. Money is green. I'm going to take the points with the Rams plus seven and a half. I think this is just too many points. The weather is going to be really terrible as Josh and I talked about. Um, the Ravens run defense has struggled at times this year. Now coming off the bye with everybody rested Roquan PQ, the boys up front in the middle. I think they will be better this week, or at least they should be. Um, however, I think the bad weather is going to play a factor in this game. As I mentioned with Josh a little bit ago, I'm going to take the seven and a half with the Rams. I hope this one loses. Just going to put that out there. I hope this one loses. I hope I'm wrong here. Um, but I just think this is too many points in a bad weather game. Second pick on Sunday. This one, I really, really like take that with a grain of salt. Do of that what you will. I don't know. Lions versus bears over 43 and a half. I didn't look up the stats in previous matchups, but if I were willing to bet, I feel like this one has gone over a lot recently. Um, The Lions, their defense struggles with mobile quarterbacks. We've seen that with Lamar Jackson. We've seen that with Justin Fields multiple times. We've seen that with other people, Kyler Murray to name some, Kenny Pickett, maybe, maybe not. I have no idea. I know the Lions struggle with mobile quarterbacks, and it feels like whenever these two teams get together, they always put up a lot of points. Um, Also, on the other side, for the Bears. They're really good at running the ball. Obviously, they have a top five or even top three run offense in the game. Uh, And they're surprisingly good at stopping the run on defense. Um, Detroit, I think their offense is good. We know their offense can throw the ball. We've seen what Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown can do. Jameis will not Jameis. Jameson Williams is starting to get into the fold and making plays. We saw him with that really nice touchdown run last week in New Orleans. Um, I think their offense has potential to pop. We saw them put up 21 points in like seven minutes or something last week, whatever that was. Uh, I like the over 43 and a half here. Also with Detroit, 
I think they're going to have something to prove. They put up, like I said, 21 points super quickly last week against New Orleans. Then they kind of let New Orleans back into the game. And then obviously two weeks ago on Thanksgiving, they kind of got their asses beat by Green Bay at home. So I like this spot here for the over. I think this is honestly just too low, as crazy as that may sound. Um, But anyway, over 43 and a half in that one. Next pick, Eagles at Cowboys. Maybe the best game on the slate this weekend. This is for sure a dumb pick, I'm sure. Um, Call it a trap line, call it a rat line, whatever you want. I'm going to take the points with the Eagles here, plus three and a half. Um, I need Dallas to prove it to me. Dallas is really good. I don't know if I'm ready to call them not frauds, um, but Dallas is a really good football team. We've seen that over the last couple weeks. The Seahawks, I think they're better than a lot of people give them credit for, and Dallas played a really good game against them last Thursday. Um, Dallas is coming off of, I believe, 10 days of rest in this one. Philly kind of got taken into the deep end with the Niners last week. So proceed with caution here. Um, I just I, I need Dallas to prove it to me. I need them to beat a good team. So if you're going to tell me I get the Eagles, who have already beaten the Cowboys this year, getting three and a half points in Jerry World, they've traditionally owned the Cowboys under Jalen Hurts. I'm going to take the three and a half with the Eagles here. Last pick so far, Dolphins versus Titans. I'm not in the business of laying that many points. However, I will take the Dolphins team total over 30 and a half. I think the Dolphins are leading the NFL in scoring. I think they have the highest scoring offense in the league this year, uh, which really shouldn't surprise anybody. Tua is playing really well. In my opinion, Tyreek Hill is the MVP of the NFL right now. I know he'll never get it because it's a quarterback award, award, but I digress. Um, The Dolphins just shit pump bad teams. Uh, and the Tennessee Titans do fall into that category of being a bad team. We know about the Tennessee Titans. Um, I've been talking about them not a lot, but you know, going back to when we played them in London in week six, over the last few weeks, I've bet against them. I've brought them up at least in some of my picks. They're decent against the run from a defensive standpoint, but they're really bad against the pass. Their secondary is just not good. Um, and the Dolphins, Tua, have one of the best passing attacks in the NFL, if not the best. Um, so I honestly think this 30 and a half is for sure in play. I know it's high. I don't love it. Um, but I believe they're at home. Uh, this is a Monday night game. So, you know, do with that what you will. So they'll have an extra day of rest, but anyway, Dolphins team total over 30 and a half. I like that a lot. Uh, it is juiced to the under right now. So if you want a better price or potentially a better number, go ahead and jump on that. Now, those are my picks for this week. Oh, before I move ahead. Also, I don't know what the number's at yet. I don't think it's been published, but I will be taking a look at Tua's over on passing yards in that game for what it's worth. Um, That's all I got for now. I will have more come Sunday morning. Be on the lookout. I'll have the intern put them out on the socials. uh, Same time every week. Um, Until then, until next week, until Sunday morning when the picks come out, until whenever you decide to interact with us next. We appreciate you so much. I appreciate you so much for sticking around this long. We love you. We cannot thank you enough. Cheers to you. Have a fantastic weekend and happy betting. Superpowers. Superpowers.
Drop my eye, pull me closer, and never let me.